Uh, Open your Bibles to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. We'll get to it in just a short order. While you're turning in your Bibles to there, um, first of all, just let me say that uh, we've, it's good to be home. Uh, we were gone for the last two Sundays, and uh, we made a trip up to, uh, to Maine to get Leslie's mom, and uh, she's sick this morning, uh, so she couldn't attend the service with us, and we expect her to, to be joining and become a regular part of this church uh, next week, so just be in prayer for her. Uh, but it was, it was a long trip. We had some good moments along the way. It was a long trip, but you know what? Man, it felt like we had been gone so long. We missed this place. We really did. And it is good, good to be home. And I, I took the time to listen online uh, to the messages that uh, George shared and Rick shared. And, and it's just, it's such a blessing as a pastor Uh, to be able to hit the road and take uh, some time away and know that the church is in good hands uh, from a teaching point of view. So George and Rick, thank you so much uh, for the job that uh, you guys did. Much appreciated. Uh, And and then the good news while I was gone of uh, all the good stuff that happened at junior high camp and the salvations that happened, praise God. Man, that was awesome. Man, I tell you, there's nothing that makes me more excited than hearing that people have come from death to life. And, and you know that song, is it true today when people pray that we'll see dead men rise? Sometimes not only will we see people actually physically come back to life, but when a person passes from uh, pre-conversion to conversion, they just went from death to life. And that is a dead man rising. And so because of your prayer and because of your support and your service and those who served, we saw some people, some dead men rise. And I'm trusting that we'll see more of that uh, beginning this afternoon with senior high camp. It's going to be a great week around here. Uh, I'm actually going to be around for this one. So I'm looking forward to that one. It's going to be crazy. And uh, I'm sure that I'll probably contribute to that, some of that. So it's all good. All right, so this morning we begin a new series of messages. This will take place for the next three Sundays uh, called Table Talk. Now, to sort of set the, uh, the groundwork for Table Talk, let me ask you, how many of you here this morning uh, are flea market uh, people? You like flea markets? All right, see, and probably most of those groaning were the men, like, oh, man, no, no. Oh, please don't talk about flea markets. <laughs> I, I, I did a little looking on, online, and, uh, and I see there's really not a large sampling of flea markets right in, in the general area, so that probably means, and, and I spoke to somebody this morning, and said, well, we'll drive, and that's probably another reason why the men were groaning, oh, Lord, please, please don't talk about flea markets, that means I got to drive, <laughs> But flea markets are, are just crazy, crazy places. Now, I grew up in South Carolina, and um, when, uh, when we were in, uh, just before we left the business world to go into ministry, we were in the upstate of South Carolina in the Greenville-Spartanburg area, and just down the road from uh, Greenville is a town called Anderson. It's about 30 minutes, and uh, this is the Anderson Jockey Lot, and uh, the Jockey Lot is claims to be the world's largest flea market. Now, it's kind of hard to tell from a satellite view, but this place is enormous. Uh, 
you can see the buildings, but that's all parking lot. Everything around those buildings is parking lot. It, on any given Saturday, there are literally thousands and thousands of people that show up at this flea market. It is, it is unlike anything I've ever seen anywhere else. It's crazy. And uh, it is in the deep south, and that means in the summertime, it gets really, really hot. And uh, they had the good sense in some of those uh, closed-in areas to put in some air conditioning, but not all of those areas are air conditioned. And even when you have a, a roof and it gets really hot, I mean, obviously, you don't get baked out by the sun but if you've been in one of those places that doesn't have air conditioning, it still gets hot. It gets really hot, especially when it starts to bubble up around 95 to 100 or plus, and it's really humid, and you got a 1,000 people milling around. Man, that's, that's a really interesting. You get some really interesting smells in that uh, situation, too. Uh, they had the good sense to put air conditioning in the, uh, in the restaurant areas, and uh, in the restaurant areas, they're kind of like, you know, going to a food court in a shopping mall. It's sort of that same idea. And uh, they got virtually anything and everything that you can think about eating. And they got all these little picnic tables with the red picnic cloth, tablecloths on them, you know. And uh, so the last time we were there, it was, it was the heat of the summer and it was hot. And uh, I think we'd, it had reached probably around lunchtime. And uh, so we had the good sense to stop and, uh, and get something to eat. And so... We're sitting there uh, getting something to eat, and they had people that were walking around passing out food samples. Now, you've seen these people, right? I mean, you've seen them at Sam's Club. You've seen them at other places. They're, they're, they're offering samples of food. And it's like, would you like to try some chicken? Yeah. Like, oh, yes, that sounds so appetizing. I would love some. Uh, and so when the offering isn't, doesn't sound very encouraging or very exciting, you just sort of walk on by. But, you know, hey, would you like some of this chicken? It's really good. He goes, sure, I'll try that. And so we had already gotten our food, and we were sitting down, and, and these people were walking around offering these samples of food. And one of the really interesting things is who they were offering the samples to. So... You've got thousands of people that are still milling around shopping just outside of the restaurant eating area. But they were offering samples of food to the people who had already gotten their food and sat down to eat. How stupid is that? They already had their food. They were already eating. Some of them had already finished eating. I don't need your sample. I've already eaten. And what occurred to me is that the reason they were hanging around the tables and offering food to people who had already been fed was because to step out into the area where all of those other people were still shopping and milling meant stepping out of the air conditioning. Yeah. And so instead of going out and offering food to people who actually might be hungry and might come and partake in the food, they were offering food to people who already had it and didn't need any more. And trust me, there were a lot of people there that did not need any more. And in processing all of that, 
it occurred to me that the church, God's church, is a table where we invite the hungry to come and eat. Look in your Bible at John chapter 6, verse 35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Father, as we break open your word today, I pray that you will bless it and multiply it. God, you will feed the hungry, that you will entice those who are searching, and Lord, that you may have your will and your way throughout this service in Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. Now, you can't really, you can't really smell this up here. That's too bad because it smells really good. I love the smell of, of fresh bread. And Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me, you will never be hungry again. Whoever comes to me and is thirsty, you will never thirst again. What he's saying is the very thing that the world is searching for, the very thing that the world needs, the hunger and thirst that is driving their spirit, the things that they are trying to quench and to satisfy, Jesus said, I'm the answer for that. I'm the answer for that. And if you will come and you will process me, and you will partake of me, then you will never hunger for the things that you hungered for again. You will never thirst for the things that you thirsted for again. Those cravings in your life that could never be satisfied any other way can finally be satisfied in me and only in me. So the challenge for the church is to feed people. The challenge for the church is to build the believers by feeding them the bread of life in such a way that they want more and can accomplish more and to feed those who are searching in such a way that they can make sense out of it and partake of the bread of life. That's the mission of the church, is to build up the believers through the bread of life and to build up those who are seeking and searching by helping them understand and partake of the bread of life. That's our mission. That's what we're here for. And so we have, we have people here this morning that have been coming to church for probably their whole life. We have people that have been coming to this church for years and years and years, and you're a believer, and you love coming and feeding on the bread of life. We have others who have been coming for a long time, and you're still not feeding on the bread of life because you've never actually partaken of Jesus. Last Wednesday night, we had a young man here, and I, I can't remember his last name. Is, is, he, he was called CJ. What was CJ's last name? Schneider. Schneider. How many of you know CJ Schneider? Quite a few of you in here. By his own testimony, Wednesday night, 
Uh, they attended this church and then they wound up going to the branch in Centralia, but he spent a lot of years in Orchardville Church and then through a daughter church of Orchardville. And in that entire time, most people probably would have looked at his life and thought, what a wonderful Christian young man. But by his own testimony, he didn't know Jesus. And he didn't really know Jesus until he got to college. When he finally bowed his head and his heart and he received Jesus Christ into his life. See, just coming to church, being here in the presence of the bread is not partaking of the bread. It doesn't make you a believer. You could have been sitting here every, every Sunday since dirt was turned on this building. It doesn't make you a Christian. It doesn't make you a believer. And by the same token, there have been people who have been feeding on this bread for far too long without offering this bread to somebody else. And so our job here and our call as a church and my call to you as your pastor is let's get busy about the job of building up believers and then pushing back from the table and beginning to reach those who still need to partake of the bread of life to begin with. The church is a table that we offer people to come and participate in the best meal in the world. So let's talk a little bit about that process. Let's talk about having a meal together. So first of all, when you want to have a meal with somebody, there's, there's the invitation, right? I mean, you got you to invite somebody over. So you may, you, know, you may be sitting you know, in your kitchen and you think, well, we should have you know, Bob and Sue over. And uh, so Bob and Sue are not just going to magically show up, you know, at your house. That used to happen, by the way. It doesn't really happen anymore. People don't just show up at anybody's house. Well, I don't want to impose. Um, and so that, since if you want to have somebody over, you got to pull out your phone and you got to dial them up and you got to call them. Hey, Bob and Sue, you want to come over and have a meal? Now, if you really want them to come over, you make it sound like a wonderful thing, right? Y'all want to come over? We really want to have you over. Now, if you're Bob and Sue on the other end and you get this, Bob, my wife told me to call you. Y'all probably don't want to come over, do you? Bob's going to say, I don't want to come over. And that's the end of the conversation. Because an invitation to be received well has to be offered well. Amen? And so you call them up. Man, we miss you guys. We love you guys. We want to have a fun evening together. We want y'all to come over. What do you say? Well, if you get that kind of phone call, how many of you are saying yes to that? Everybody. Okay, so if you're the one offering the invitation, your next question is, what kind of food do you like? Right? Right? Because an invitation to the meal is not about you at that point. It's about who? It's about your guest. It's about Bob and Sue. It's about what they want. Why? Because you're inviting them over to your house. You're inviting them to partake of a meal with you. And to do that with no regard for what they like is to make it not very enjoyable or appealing. So we offer a meal that is 
satisfactory to them and appealing to them so that they come and have a good experience. And every week here at Orchardville Church, we think about two things. We think about how to feed the family and how to feed our guest. Because when you invite Bob and Sue over, you want to focus on Bob and Sue, but the family still has to eat, right? I mean, the family still has got to eat some food. And so for me, if, if, if we invited you over to our house and you said that you liked vegetables, well, that would thrill Leslie because pray for your, your pastor. I hate vegetables. I'm sorry. I just do. Oh, it just got ugly. <laughs> I, I'm a meditarian. I'm sorry. I hate, I grew up in the South. My mother don't know what happened. I just don't like them. I, I like fried okra. If you ever have me over, I like fried okra, but you have to burn it. <laughs> How many of you like burnt fried okra? Amen. Because then you burn all the green out of it and there's nothing nutritious left, but then it's good. <laughs> you got to love that. Uh, and it's like popcorn then. I, so I'll just feed on that all night. <laughs> so if... If you love vegetables, but you don't like meat, and I'm just cooking what I like, you're not going to enjoy a good meal. But if we only try to feed you and we don't think about the family, well, then I'm not going to have a very good meal. So we try, to, we try to make sure that we give you what you need, but at the same time, feed the family. And so at Orchardville every week, we're going through that same mental process. We want to think, how do we feed the family and at the same time, how do we feed and care for the guest and show them that they are valued and we wanted them to be here and we want them to enjoy the meal of the bread of life? So we go through that mental process and it sounds simple. I mean, you know, we feed the family and we feed the, feed, feed the guest. It sounds simple, but you know it's not simple. It's not as simple as it sounds. So if you flip two pages back in your Bible to John chapter four, just flip a couple pages back. John chapter four, verse 34, Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his, what's the last word? Work, to finish his work, work. See church, here's the thing, entertaining takes work, right? Entertaining takes work. And I'm convinced this is the reason why more and more people don't entertain in their house anymore. It's just too much work. It's way easier to say, hey, I'll meet you out at a restaurant. Right? And you know what? If you meet at a restaurant, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to think about them because they're gonna order whatever they want to off the, off the menu and you're gonna, you're gonna take care of you. They take care of them. It's no work. But Jesus said that my food is to do the will of him who sent me and finish the work. And entertaining means you have to work to think beyond yourself. It's just like those people passing out samples at the jockey lot. They wouldn't go out into the hot area. Why? Because it was hot. 
I don't want to go out in the hot, unair-conditioned area of the jockey lot. It stinks out there, and there's a lot of people. I'd rather stay in the air-conditioned spot. It really doesn't matter to me whether these people take my samples. And so to entertain, you got to get beyond yourself, and you got to think about your guest. Who are you inviting into your space? And that makes me think, are we like the people at the jockey lot? Are we handing out samples of the bread of life to the already fed or to the hungry? Are we handing out samples of the bread of life to the people who have already been feasting and dining on the bread of life and that's the only people we share our samples with? Or are we offering samples to those who are truly hungry and thirsty and searching for an answer they cannot find anywhere other than the table of Christ. Hopefully names are popping in your head. Who do you know right now that is hungry? Who do you know that's thirsty? Who do you know that is struggling in life? Who do you know that they've been going to church all their life, but there is nothing in their life that demonstrates that they really, truly know the giver of life in Jesus Christ? Who do you know that is thirsting, that their life is struggling, that their marriage is falling apart, their finances are out of order, they're depressed, they're discouraged, they're searching for something, they're running from here to there and the other place, and they cannot finally rest or find peace or contentment in anything that they do? You should have a few names that come to mind right away. Are we offering samples of God's bread of life to them? Or are we saving all of those conversations, all of those discussions for the already satisfied and the already fed? It's an it's a important question to discover and to think about. And here's why it matters. Because when we talk about church and we talk about it being a table where we invite people to enjoy the bread of life, and to share a meal around God's table. See, when I think about it, I think of three different chairs. And I believe in some ways the church should be divided into thirds. See, I think in one chair ought to be a lot of healthy, mature believers who have known Christ and walked with him for a long time. They have feasted on the bread of life. They have gotten strong. They have gotten confident and they know who the Lord is. They know who they are in him and they know what they want to accomplish and they know the need for other people to know what they know. There should at least be a third of those people in the church. At the same time, there should also be a bunch of babies. There should be a bunch of baby believers in the church. And I'm going to tell you, church, if the church is not seeing a lot of new believers through the course of a year, that is an unhealthy church. A family that is not adding new infants, new life into its family is eventually going to die, is it not? God calls us 
to birth new believers into the kingdom of God on a regular basis. His church ought to be full of born-again believers who just got off the road to Damascus and have found new life in Jesus. Now, here's the thing. These baby believers, these toddlers, these adolescents, they make messes when they eat. Have you ever noticed that? They don't eat like we do. Half the time, they don't know how to eat. And then when they're eating, sometimes they miss their mouth. It's nuts. You're like, what's wrong with you? But you don't ask a toddler what's wrong with them when they're trying to feed you know, you know, their food into their ear. They're still trying to figure it out. But we have too many churches that get mad at baby, toddler, adolescent believers who are still trying to learn. And instead of being mature believers who walk around here and go, here, let me show you how to do that. We sit over here and go, did you see that? Did you see that baby over there, what they were trying to do? Was that ridiculous or what? Does that not happen in church all the time? Our mature believers need to be able to be secure enough in the Lord and understand the process of birth and new life that they can push back from the table, get over here, and help these baby believers learn how to eat. And at the same time, we ought to be concerned enough about those who are outside of the family of God that we're saying, I don't care if you're an alcoholic. I don't care if you're snorting coke. I don't care if you're selling your body. We need you in church. Because where else can you feast at the banquet of God's table where you can consume the bread of life? This is it. And we need a whole bunch of people who are hellbounders who are saying, you know, I never wanted to go to a church in my life, but there's something different about Orchardville Church, and I know they love me. I don't get it yet. I don't get this whole thing about God yet, but I know that I can walk in there and they're going to love me right where I am, and I'm going to figure this out. That's what needs to be happening around these chairs. And there are some of you that think, well, I'm not ready to invite anybody because I need to know more. I need to know more about my faith. No, you don't. No, you don't. Because if you know Jesus, you know enough. If you know Jesus, you know enough to invite someone to the table of the bread of life. Now, I think that Sometimes there are people who say, well, I don't know enough, but there are others who goes, well, I don't want to invite anybody because I've been handing out samples and it ain't good. You go, well, Pastor Mark, what are you talking about? Well, we hand out all kinds of samples. Check this out. We hand out samples by the way we talk, by the places we go, by our language, by our business practices. How do we conduct ourselves in the marketplace? By our attitude and by our actions. All of those things are pulling off small samples 
of the bread of life because if you've claimed yourself as a follower of Jesus Christ, as a Christian, here's what you're telling people with all of those things. This is what it means to be a Christian. You know what? Yeah, I can, I can cuss like a sailor. That's what it means to be a Christian. Well, why do they need what you got? They already talk that way. Or yeah, I can go out and I can raise hell. I can live any way I want to. That's what it means to be a Christian. Well, then why do they need what you got? They already live that way. They need to be able to come to the table of God and look at your life in the samples that we pass out and know, man, there is something different. And I can't find that anywhere else. And those of you who are a little concerned about the kind of samples you've been handing out, then you need to start praying about God to help you clean up your samples. And for those of you who aren't concerned about that, you just think you don't know enough, then ask God to start helping you share these kinds of samples because they're all over the place. So we have, we have an invitation in lots of different ways that we extend that invitation. But then there's, there's the preparation, right? You've invited somebody over, but now, now you gotta, now you gotta go to work. Now, when we invite somebody over to our house, and I would imagine it's probably the same way at yours, when we invite somebody over to our house, our family does the work. We don't expect somebody to show up at our house and all of a sudden now you gotta cook the meal, you gotta wash the dishes, you gotta cut the grass. We do the work. And when we do the work, I mean, lots of things happen. I mean, our house gets clean. <laughs> and by we, I mean Leslie. Now, our house is clean most of the time, but you know what I'm talking about. Your house gets a little extra clean, right? So some of, some of you people, if you just need to clean up your house, offer, and offer to have somebody over. All of a sudden, the house gets clean. So the house gets clean, things happen, and, and a couple of other interesting things happen. Now, in, 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 in the process of day-to-day, um, I'm a big paper plate fan, right? You know why? Because you can throw these things away. And, uh, and it really doesn't take any, any work or any effort. So you pull these out of the cabinet, you put them down, you eat on them, and you throw them in the trash. It's a beautiful thing. When, when, I, met, when I met Leslie, uh, Leslie, you know, I had my apartment, she had hers, but I had a much better kitchen in my apartment. And so she would come over to cook in, uh, in my kitchen. And uh, I had the best plastic silverware you've ever seen. It was the good stuff. <laughs> and I had... I had about three dozen Wedgie's Pizza uh, plastic cups because if you call Wedgie's Pizza and you order from them, they'd bring you a free plastic, you know, drink cup and, along with the pizza. So it was a beautiful deal. And, and so I loved paper plates, plastic forks and spoons and plastic cups. It's awesome. But for some reason, and I cannot explain, my wife thinks that we should not entertain this way. She wants to get out the good plates. She wants to get out the silverware and put the plastic stuff up. I'm like, what's wrong with you, honey? How many of you have plates that never come out unless you have company? Raise your hand. All right. 
So you know what I'm talking about, right? And, and we, might even, we might even have a pep talk with the boys when, when, when they were younger. All right, boys, when the company comes over and we're sitting, you don't burp at the table, you don't pick your nose, you know, that's just not okay while company's here. Tomorrow it's all good, but we don't do that today. <laughs> things are different. When we have company over, things are different. Now, is that compromising? Is it, are we being ungenuine or inauthentic? I would suggest to you it's being a good host. It's, it's wanting our guests to have a good experience when they're in our space and gathered with us, and we want to provide the best environment that we possibly can. And so we work, and we work here. We work here to be good hosts because every week we plan for and we expect and we prepare for guests. If you're a guest this morning, I already met one. If you're a guest this morning, you matter. You matter a lot. I pray every week to see faces I've never seen before. And I know that there are many of you here this morning that you feel the same way. And as you go around through your week, you're inviting people, come on, come on, come on, come on. But there are other of you, others of you here this morning, you can't remember the last time you invited someone to come be a guest at our table. And if it's been so long that you can't remember, then you need to start praying. I'm serious, right now, you need to start praying for God to lay some names on your heart that you can reach out and invite them to share a meal at God's table with us on Sundays. And so we think about the chairs, we, we plan for the guest and we work really, really hard at it because if you're like most people I know, you would never invite anybody over and serve them a half-cooked meal. You just wouldn't do that. That would be unthoughtful, it would be uncouth, it would be uh, irritating to the guest and I never ever, ever want us to present a half-cooked meal of the most important meal in the, in the world to our guest. So I work really hard, and I know we got others who work really hard to make sure that we are ready on Sunday morning to offer up the best meal that we possibly can, not only to our guests, but our families as well. And I want to make sure that we do that in a creative, and I might even say entertaining way. Now, that entertaining in the church is a word that has a lot of baggage to it. Oh, we don't want to go to church and entertain anybody. Well, I get that because entertainment for entertainment's sake is absolutely wrong. But you know what the word entertain actually means? It means to hold somebody's attention. Did you know that? Entertain means to hold someone's attention. Is there anything that we ought to be more concerned about holding the attention of than when we're presenting the bread of life? God forbid that we ever present the bread of life in such a way that as soon as we start, people are just tuning out because, man, that is so unbelievably boring. And if you think God wasn't creative, then you haven't paid attention to the Scripture. See, he used salt with Lot. You might remember that story. 
He used a boat and a whale with Jonah. You might remember that story. He did all sorts of different things with different people in different situations. He almost never did the same thing the same way twice. And ultimately, he used a cross to speak to the world. Why? Because if everything happens the same way all the time, people stop losing focus. So God would shake things up. Jesus, when he was here, he shook things up all the time. He almost never healed anybody the same way twice. And so when I come on a Sunday morning with a message to bring to you, I pray and I ask God, God, give me insight how I can bring this in a creative way in the way that you made me so that everybody here can dial in, pay attention and understand the most important thing that we have to offer and that is the bread of life. John 21, 17, Jesus was speaking to Peter And he said three times, feed my sheep. Remember that? Peter, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Jesus cares a lot about feeding the sheep. And you know what that means that I am as a pastor? It means I'm a chef. (laughs) Now, if you want me to be a chef at home, um, your luck is not very good. I make good grilled cheese sandwiches, and uh, I'm good with the microwave, and I can throw a burger on the grill. But beyond that, and you don't, you don't have a whole lot going for you. But when it comes to preparing the meal of the bread of life, God has prepared me to be a chef far beyond my abilities at home. And I pray every week. God, help me to make the food enjoyable and simple. And when I say simple, I don't mean simplistic, but I mean simple. You know, you can make the complex complex. I mean, you can, you can leave it that way. And, and if we want to, we can take the Bible and there's enough complexity in the Bible that we could speak about it in such a way that most of you here would walk out of your head, scratch, out of here every week, scratch your head going, I have no idea what the heck he was talking about. Because the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. How many of you here speak Hebrew? Nobody? Well, that's a shocking. <laughs> New Testament was written in Greek. Anybody in Greek speakers? See, we can talk about Hebrew and Greek words all day long, and all of you go out like, I got nothing. I got nothing. Or, or even beyond the words in the Old Testament, New Testament, have you ever noticed that the church is really good at speaking Christianese? That's another language altogether. And we can throw out terms every Sunday morning that, that fall into the Christianese category or the Greek category or the Hebrew category and nobody would get a blasted thing out of it. But is that the point of serving a meal? So when we come, we want to serve a meal for the family and the guest in a simple way so that they'll be able to absorb it and understand it and make some sense out of it. See, Jesus used really, really common language when he was here. If it was good enough for him, then it's good enough for me. I'm going to stick with that model. Matthew 9, 37 
said, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. See, there are tons of people out there that need the bread of life. A lot of people. In fact, Jesus said, wide is the gate that leads to what? Destruction. But narrow is the gate that leads to life. In other words, there's way more people that are bound for hell than there are people who are headed for heaven. In other words, we've got the majority of the population that still needs to partake of the bread of life for the very first time. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few because it is not easy work to make the complicated simple. But we have a lot of people here who are working hard every week to make sure that for our children, for our teenagers, for other people, that they're making it simple to understand and partake of the bread of life. My goal, my passion is to make this simple so you can partake of the bread of life. But the harvest is so plentiful that we need more laborers. For those of you who help this to make this happen every week, thank you, thank you, thank you. God loves you. The Apostle Paul was crazy about those who did the work of the ministry. I'm crazy about those who do the work of the ministry, but there is always room for more because the harvest is plentiful. So we, we, ha- we invite somebody, we do the work to get ready for them, and then lastly, we present the food. Why We, we present the food. We, we put it out there. Now, when we have people over, we don't just throw the food on the table and go, have at it, and, and without any utensils, without anything and to, to help them eat it, we'll just say, you know, use your fingers, it's all good. We don't do that. We give them what they need to eat the meal. And if there's something that you made that's a little unusual, that maybe you need a little help understanding, you, you try to do that. Now, let me give you a great example of that. Um, Leslie is, is a, a maniac. She's from Maine. And, uh, <laughs> and she loves lobster. And when I say lobster, I don't mean lobster tail. She, she loves that whole thing. And um, so when we got married, um, we, were, we got married in northern Maine, and we were coming back down the coast of Maine, and uh, we stopped at a little lobster shack and, and we got whole lobster. Now, I've had some lobster tails, but I had never had whole lobster. Now, if you get a lobster tail, that's a tasty little piece of, of, of meat, you know, but they, they cook it and they cut open the tail. And you just kind of dig it out of there. It's all good. But it's a whole nother ball game when you get this big giant cockroach that's all red. <laughs> and like they bring that to your table like I got no idea what to do with this. Leslie, on the other hand, was a pro. Now, let me fast forward a few years. Uh, we were in, in Florida, and uh, I, was, uh, I was still in the military. At that time, I was in the National Guard, and we'd gone down to Florida for some, some sort of a National Guard training event, uh, but we had some free time, and there was a restaurant down there that all you could eat lobster for $19.95. Like, I had no choice but to take her. 
And, and so they had these lobsters that were like a pound, pound and a half. I had to cut her off after five. Um, <laughs> I'm not kidding. That's a true statement. After the third one, she asked me to go back and get her one. I, I got number four. And then after four, she asked me to go back and get another one. I got number five. And then after five, she asked me to get another one. I said, I ain't getting you no more. You want another one, you go get it yourself. And uh, so she decided that she didn't want anybody else seeing her eat six lobsters. So she just called it good. Don't ever get between her and a whole lobster. It's a dangerous thing. <laughs> but, okay, we're in Florida, right? Lobsters are not exactly omnipresent in Florida. And so we sit down and the first ones come and I saw something really fascinating. So we're sitting there eating these lobsters and there's a whole restaurant full of people trying to eat whole lobster, have no idea how to eat whole lobster. Leslie, it's like a cartoon. You see things flying, you know, and she's got these nutcracker things, these other utensils. It's crazy to watch. And I saw people I saw people sitting at their table with this giant red cockroach and they're trying to figure this out and they got no idea and they, and they see Leslie. And they start poking and say, watch over, watch her, watch her. Hmm. What did you do? Okay. People were literally watching her trying to figure out how to eat a whole lobster. And when you have somebody over if you're serving something that they don't know how to partake of, you show them, right? You give them the tools to make sure that they know how to enjoy what you have prepared. And so when we come to the Lord's table on Sunday, I wanna make sure as the presenter of the meal that I give you the necessary utensils and and ability to not only partake of the food, but to process it and enjoy it. So I work really, really hard. And so I think about who's sitting in these chairs. What do they need? How do they process what they're hearing? How can I make it clear? How can I make it plain? What What do the mature believers need to hear? What do those babies need to hear? And what do those people who are bound for hell need to hear? Because folks, it's not all the same. Sometimes I will spend a large portion of the message speaking to people in this chair. Sometimes I will spend a large portion of the message speaking to people in this chair. And once in a while, I will spend a large portion of the message speaking to people at this chair. And what we need is people in this chair who are mature enough and careful and caring enough about the people in these two chairs to say, I didn't get as much as I wanted today, but I want to make sure that those other people at the table are fed. I promise you that I will never forget those who are sitting in this chair because we don't reproduce without mature believers. But I will also never forget the people who are sitting in these two and they eat differently, they consume differently than the people in this one. And there will always be this tension between how much uh, you favor the family and how much you favor the guests. And it's not an easy answer. But there are a lot of churches out there that become diet-driven churches. And what do I mean by that? It's all about the food, their food. 
their food. Eat, 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 eat. And as long as I get what I like and what I want, then I'm happy. But as soon as I'm not getting what I want, I'm not getting the diet that I want, well, now I'm mad. Now I'm not happy anymore. Well, anybody who pays attention to the medical community, a healthy diet is important to a healthy life, right? Yes? But what else do they say goes with a, a diet? Diet and what? Diet and exercise. Every medical expert will tell you it's not just what you eat, it's what you do. I would tell you that the Bible says the exact same thing. It's not just what we eat. We need to be eating the bread of life. We need to be consuming what God has for us. But then by God, we need to push back from the table and we need to get busy exercising, serving the other people at the table and inviting people to come eat what I have found. Somebody needs to say amen to that. That's the church that Orchardville Church needs to be. And in case you forget... Jesus said his work was to do the will of the Lord, and that was to find lost people and invite them to a meal. Remember, he told the servants in this parable, go out into the highways and hedges and compel people to come into my father's house that it might be what? Full. There were no stipulations on who was being invited. Just go out in the street, invite people to come fill up the house. Why? Because there is a meal that everybody needs. So we invite people, we prepare the food for people, we try to serve it in a creative and in compelling way. And just to give you an idea of kind of where we're headed so that you can start thinking, how can I invite people? Who can I invite? Let me give you a little bit of the layout about where we're going I, like, I believe that, that God has wired me to think six to 12 months ahead. I know there, there are preachers and there are people that go, well, you know, the Holy Spirit, you know, leads me week to week. Well, he does, but that same Holy Spirit can lead you to plan for six to 12 months too, amen? He's not against planning. And so I pray and I, I get with the Lord. I'm like, Lord, what do you want me to give? And here's, here's where I believe we're gonna land over the next six to 12 months. So here we go. Coming up, in, uh, in August, we're getting ready to go back to school, and uh, there's still, you know, the textbooks, which I think is a ripoff. I hate how much they charge for textbooks, but more and more, they're doing e-books now, right? You know e-books? And so I want to I leverage the idea that we're going back to school, and everybody's getting their books, getting ready for school, and we're going we're gonna to call this series Back to School, the e-book, and we're going to do a four-week study on the book of Ephesians. And teenagers, I think you're going to love this service and this story. This series of messages, I think, is going to be really, really, really in your wheelhouse. So we're going to do that in August. Then after that, we're going to do a series from the book of Nehemiah called Build the Wall. Now, why would I talk about Build the Wall? Anybody heard that term in our culture recently? Very, very prevalent in people's thinking. Well, build the wall. Well, we're going to leverage that. There's a whole book in the Old Testament about Nehemiah and building a wall. And we're going to talk about it. We're going to spend some time studying the book of Nehemiah and build the wall. Then after that, as we start to head into Thanksgiving, we're going to talk about a series of messages called In the Zone. And that's living in the blessing of God. Is there anybody that doesn't want to live in the blessing of God? 
I mean, when you're in the zone, right, everything is just working as it's supposed to, right? You ever felt like you're, you know, things are in the, in the zone? When talk about how to live in the zone of God's blessing and stay there. And then as we move from that to Christmas, we're going to talk about Christmas in the real world. See, lots of people have these romantic visions of, of Christmas and how everything ought to be. How many of you know that Christmas is almost never what it ought to be? So we're going to talk about Christmas in the real world. And that'll take us through the end of the year. And to start 2019, we're going to do a series of messages called No Perfect People Allowed. No Perfect People Allowed. And I think that'll be a great way for us to launch into a brand new year. So there you go. Now you know, you have a sense of what you are inviting your friends to come and be a part of. You have a sense of what we're going to be preparing and presenting as the year rolls out between now and the beginning of 2019. So invite. We will prepare and present and by God's grace, we will have people at all three chairs that are getting nourishment and getting stronger, who are growing up as they figure out how to eat, and people who are finding new life because they never thought that this was the answer and they're finding out that it is. Now, I want to finish today's message with a video clip from We Bought a Zoo. Now, I get excited about every Sunday. I truly do. I get, I get fired up about Sunday. Now, many of you have seen this movie, but some of you may not. This is a true story. True story of a family who lost their mom. She died and the dad was trying to raise his two kids. And he decided they would buy a piece of property that actually was an old zoo but was no longer open to the public. But part, part of buying the property meant that you had to restore the zoo. And so they worked really hard in getting the zoo ready to open and present to the public. And we're going to watch a video clip of what happens on the morning that they were finally ready to open up. They'd had a storm the night before. It didn't look good. And so what happened on the morning that they were finally ready to open up the zoo? So watch this and then we'll wrap up the message. I see it. Okay. Get ready. Whoa. <laughs> Wait a minute. Turn around. Let me see. Wow, the hair. What happened to the hair? French braids, big in the 90s. Nice. Very nice. <laughs> They're going to be here today, Benjamin. I know it. 10 o'clock. This place will be packed. Okay, well, we all know that I stink at speeches, so I, I won't even try. If, if Catherine were here, she would have come up with something really funny and clever for me to say. I'd have taken full credit. It's not about where an adventure ends, because that's not what an adventure is about. So anything that happens from here on out is a bonus. And I love you guys. Okay, let's open the gates. It's a zoo! Yes. 
Yes, it is. Ten oh two. They should be here. Patience, my son. Patience. Now he's right. They should be here. Look, maybe it's supposed to be this way. I don't know. Maybe it's supposed to take a while. Dad, something's wrong. Dylan. No, something's wrong. Dylan. The tree fell down in the rain last night. They couldn't have gotten through even if they were here. choose between people and animals. Really quick. How would you choose? I'll get a close up on your nose. <laughs> That's the way I feel about Sunday mornings. See, God chose people. When we had no way to get to where He was, God chose people. And our job is to remove the obstacles and to get people here. Because God loves people. I don't know exactly what God is speaking to you this morning. I don't know what decision you need to make. Maybe you need to invite Christ. Maybe you've been one of those people like CJ who's been coming to church for a long time, but you've never invited Christ into your life. Maybe you need to think about the samples that you've been handing out. Maybe you just need to make a commitment to start inviting people again. Whatever it is, this is the time to do it. 
May I ask you to stand? Heavenly Father, let's pray that your Holy Spirit right now will have his way. Move through this congregation. Lord, let no one leave this morning without doing what they are feeling led to do. In Jesus' name, amen. As our worship team sings, our altars are open and I invite you to come. Do what the Lord has laid on your heart. Let us not lift our souls to another.